Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate that, and I uh, hope this service will be a help to you. And um, over the last week and the events of this week have made it extremely clear that our country um, is in a desperate place. Again, if you have not been, maybe you have your head buried in the sand and that's okay, um, but I have never seen a country so divided. Um, we keep hearing that it's not, but it is. I have never seen Canadians so openly passionate about what they believe in. And, um, and that's okay as well. But no matter how you slice it, our country is in troubled times. It's absolutely in troubled times. I received a letter this week from a church member that is also concerned. And the letter referenced two passages of scripture that I want to share with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness, the good things, right? That's what, what, what God desires is what exalts a nation. And if you look back at our history of Canada and look at what we've been and who we are and why we're in the place we are, it's because we put God first. It's because God is first. First John chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I believe it's extremely apparent at this time in our history that we as a church need to begin to pray for the state of our country. Again, to me, it does not matter what political side you are on, whether you agree with uh, politicians or whether you agree with protesters. It does not matter. It matters that justice and righteousness and godliness are preeminent in our country. That's what matters. And so this week, I am calling on our church to make our country, our politicians, the protesters, and every single Canadian a matter of prayer this week. Very practically, this is how it's going to look. Monday at 7 a.m., the church doors are going to be open, and I'm inviting everybody to come. If you work at 7 a.m., that's okay, we got more. 7 a.m., the church doors will be open. We want you to gather with us and pray for our nation. This is not going to be a political prayer, okay? We're not going to pray politically. We're going to pray for God's will to be done and that righteousness and justice and godliness will be done. Monday night, I know tomorrow's family day. By the way, happy family day. I know tomorrow's family day. I know many have plans for family day. That's okay. Instead of meeting here at the church, this is what I want you to do. I want you, as a family... Maybe you're spending time with family that are not part of our church. Whatever it is, as a family at 7 p.m., everybody in our church, I'm calling on you to pray for our nation. 7 p.m. Monday. Now, from Tuesday to Saturday, the rest of the week, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., the church doors will be open. For the sole purpose of our church gathering together to pray for our nation. It's time we did this. I know many of you are praying already, but it's time we did this together as a church and so from 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., and you can come, stay as long as you want. We'll be praying around the room, and we are going to pray for our nation. It's time that God's people came to the one who can change the heart of man. We've tried some things. We've posted all kinds of things on our social media. 
It's time to come to the one who can change things. And that's Jesus Christ. We need Jesus right now. So let's start right now by praying for our nation. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. For so many years, we've lived in a wonderful, peaceful country. And Father, it's becoming very apparent that we are in troubled times. We have no idea what you're doing. We know that you are in control. And Father, we do pray that your will is done in this country. And Father, would you please look, help us to look inward first. Would you please search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Father, would you search the hearts of these people that sit here before me today? Would you search their hearts and see if there be any wicked way in them? And Father, may you change us so that Jesus will be seen in us. And Father, would you have your will and your way in this country? I pray you be with our prime minister. Father, to my knowledge, he does not know you as personal savior. Father, I pray that somehow, some way, you would begin to soften his heart and that he would know you as personal savior. Father, I pray that you would give him wisdom, your wisdom, not the wisdom of this world, but your wisdom, and that he would make choices based on that. I pray you be with our politicians in parliament. Father, many of them have varying degrees of opinions. Father, I pray again that you would just give them great wisdom, your wisdom again. Father, I pray you be with our premier. Mr. Doug Ford, I pray that you would watch over him as well. Pray that you would give him great wisdom. And, Father, that he would know you as personal Savior as well. Father, our, our country is in dire need, but it's not, of, not in dire need of a political change. It's in dire need of a spiritual change. So, Father, we come to you now begging for that. We're praying to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Father, I pray you believe our police force. Many of them, I'm sure confused. Father, I pray that again, you would help them to do what's right. And Father, that you would show them their need of a Savior as well. And Father, I pray that you would just see, we would see your hand at work. And Father, that you would change our nation for your honor and for your glory. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I'm going to challenge everybody to try to be a part of at least one meeting this week. At least one. Let's come together as a church and do that, all right? Take your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Let me ask this question as you're turning there. Have you ever been to a house and at the front door, the doormat said, Welcome. Have you ever been to a house like that? Uh, our house currently says something about coffee and Jesus, I believe. Uh, this house runs on coffee and Jesus, I believe, is what it says. Um, so if, if it's too early in the morning, don't come knocking at our door because we haven't had our devotions or our coffee yet. It could be dangerous. <laughs> but lots of houses that I've been to have a welcome mat. I think a welcome mat is much more exciting than a mat that says, go away. Right? I'm not too excited about stepping up to a house that has a mat that says, go away, but I'm much more apt to step up to a house that says, welcome. And there are all kinds of things that say no peddlers, solicitors, agents, you know, no junk mail in the mailbox, all those different things. But every one of us wants to feel welcome. Every one of us wants to feel like we are welcome to come to someone else's house. 
We want to feel welcome when we go to a stranger's house or to a friend's house. We want to feel welcome at church. We want to feel like people are excited to have us here. We want to feel welcome when we go to a store. Ever been to a store for the first time and don't feel you're welcome? I've been there. Been to a few small shops and different things, and I've heard wonderful things about it, and I go in, and I just doesn't, like, I feel like I'm interrupting the people that are there, and I just didn't feel welcome. We want to feel welcome. All of us do. But let me ask this question. What happens when someone tries to push us away? What happens when someone tr- doesn't make us feel welcome, and they do it intentionally? What happens if we are the ones who are no longer welcome? Most of us are very good at welcoming people, but what happens when we're no longer welcome? How does that make you feel? Doesn't make me feel very good at all. Well, our story today tells of a man who was not welcome, not welcome at all. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46, we'll start the story. The Bible says this. And they, being Jesus and disciples and a multitude, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, here it is, here's the name, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many... Many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. I love that. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. What a change of attitude, eh? Be of good, hey, shut up. And the next words are, be of good comfort. He wants you. He's calling you. Verse 50, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Kind of a goofy question, eh? He's blind. He immediately answers. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. This is an exciting story. I love this story. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. I was telling Maya, my oldest daughter, that I was preaching on this today. And she says, well, what, ha- what, what was he called after he received his sight? Because he's called blind Bartimaeus. What was he called? That's a really good question. I think just Bartimaeus. I don't know what you call a blind man after he sees other than seeing Bartimaeus. But I want you to try to imagine this scene with me this morning. I think it's hard for us here in North America to understand what is going on here. But this scene was a common everyday occurrence in the Middle East during this time. There would be beggars lining the main thoroughfares of every city, going in and out of the city. Because that was the most uh, biggest conglomerate of people that they could beg for. Beggars were all over the streets. It was here they would be able to accumulate a few coins that would hopefully allow them to eat that day. To buy a little bit of bread. Beggars were begging for a myriad of different reasons. Whether they were lame. Whether they were, uh, had a withered hand or all kinds of different reasons. In this case, it was a blind man. 
Some were lepers, some were lame, as I said before. But basically, if you can understand, they could not work. They did not have the ability to work, so the, they were left to just begging. They were reduced to that. So this was a normal experience at this time. But blind people, blind people especially, were thought to be second rate. Obviously a lame person, man, that stinks. I'm sorry that you're lame. But a blind man was said to be second rate. We find out in John chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, that it was insinuated that blind people were blind because of some sin that they or their parents had committed. In John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, we see uh, the disciples saying to, a, to Jesus about a blind man, Who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. So if you're blind, it's just insinuated that you're a sinner. Just end of the story. Because of this sin, they were punished with blindness. And we know, we know, we've already talked about this. The, the religious Jews at this time all despised sinners. And so the culture of this time was just to despise the blind people because they had obviously done some sin. So they were put down. They were even ignored by many people. I will not have anything to do with it. Now being blind in any society is an extremely difficult thing. But being blind and functioning in the Bible society where we are right now, currently in our Bible, was next to impossible. Was next to impossible. The blind man would have to depend on so many other people to help him. So many others. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't do anything. He would have to depend on so many people. Now, what if the blind man, Bartimaeus, had this attitude? What if he said, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. What if he had that attitude? If I can't see it, I don't believe it. If blind Bartimaeus would have had that attitude, he would have no choice but to just lie down and die. He, you guys understand this, right? Are you all with me? He can't see anything. He's blind. So if he has the attitude of, if I can't see it, I don't believe it, he would not believe anything. Bartimaeus would have to deny that there was anything happening around him. He would have to deny what he hears with his ears. He would have to deny what he feels, good or bad. He would have to deny that people were despising him. No doubt, every single day he could hear people walking by and saying, look at that sinner still sitting here. Look at that sinner begging still. When is he going to die and just give it up? He could hear that. He would have to deny that. He couldn't see it, but he could hear it or even feel it. I don't know. Maybe they threw rocks at him. We don't know, but all of these things he could hear, feel, but he could not see. The blind man, Bartimaeus, would also have to deny that there were people that would help him. He can't see it, but he would have to deny that there was anybody picking him up and walking him to his spot every day. I know I can feel people lifting me up from, my, from the side, but I'm just going to deny that. He could feel people helping him. He could even hear the coins hitting his tin cup. He would have to deny all of that. No, listen, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. 
how in the world, you might think, could he possibly deny that some of these things were happening to him? You'd have to be absolutely insane to believe that these things weren't happening to him. How could he denounce that? In fact, if a blind man were to deny these things and say this, you know what we would call him? A fool. A fool. You're an absolute fool. Why would you think that there are people helping you? There are people dropping coins to you. Yeah, there's all kinds of people making fun of you. But we think if I can't see it, I don't believe it. So maybe there are some that have that same attitude here this morning. Maybe you have the same attitude that if I can't see it, I don't believe it. I can only believe what I can see. Then all of us, if we believe that, then we would have to deny that there's evil in this world. We would have to deny that fact. Even though we can't see it, the reality is all of us feel it inside of us. All of us feel the evil inside of us because we think things that we know we should not think. We get angry. We look at things that we know that we shouldn't look at. We may even lie once in a while. That's evil working inside of us. You would have to deny that. You would also have to deny that there's a God. If I can't see it, I don't believe it. You'd have to deny that there is a God. I can't see him. You would have to deny that he's working in your life. You would have to deny that he is working in your life right now. Maybe that's even why you're here today. Maybe you're here today because Jesus is working in your life. Perhaps that's why you have a friend who loves God and continues to talk to you about him. Maybe that's why you have a coworker who continues to talk about God and wants you to know about them because God is working in your life. We all would call the blind man a fool if he denied the things that he could not see. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. You see, the reality is people, human beings, are spiritually blind. This story is not just a story about physical blindness. This is a story about spiritual blindness. He knew that he was blind. Bartimaeus knew that he was blind. This is the amazing part of this story is he knew he was blind and he knew that he needed help. He knew it. He also knew that there was nothing that he could do. And so I want you to picture yourself spiritually. Spiritually blind. Spiritually unsure of what's going on in this world. Is there really evil in this world? Is there a God? Is there something that I can do? It seems that I keep trying as hard as I can, but as much as I try, I just can't seem to get there. As much as I try. You see, all of us need to realize the first step in overcoming this is first of all to recognize your need recognize your need. The second step is simply to realize your insufficiency. I'm blind. I can't do this by myself. And number three, just simply reach out for help. Three steps, very simply, in overcoming spiritual blindness. Number one, we need to recognize our need. Number two, we need to realize that we can't do it in and of ourselves. Number three, we need to reach out for help. It's very obvious what blind Bartimaeus does here. He knows he's blind. He's not a fool. He knows he can't see. He realizes that he can't do this 
by himself. And what does he do? He reaches out for help. Look at verse 47 of Mark chapter 10 again. And when he, I love this, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Just stop there for a second. He's sitting on the waist by the, by the, by the road. And he's begging. And all of a sudden in the distance he can hear a bunch of people. A bunch of people are coming and he's sitting there and he's listening and he's trying to understand what's going on. He can't see. So he's trying to hear and he begins, hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He gets really excited and look what he does. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, I don't want to break everybody's eardrums. But just imagine. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he's so passionate about it. Please have mercy. He's just crying out as much as he possibly can. And these people, verse 48. And, and many, there was a bunch of people, hey, 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 stop it. Shh. Because remember, he's a sinner. Jesus is, is a wonderful teacher. He's the rabbi. He's an awesome, uh, well-known person. He's super popular. And they're like, hey, hey, hey. He doesn't want to be seen with sinners. You be quiet. And a bunch of people, I can picture it, just get around him. Like, no, no, no. Shh, shh, shh. And I love it. I love his attitude. He doesn't care. He just cries out the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He just lets it rip. Now here, I want you to understand this. Blind Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus knew what Jesus could do. He knew it. Blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. He knew who he was. In fact, he, he says it. Thou son of David. He knew who Jesus was. In fact, if you trace all this back, the Messiah would come from the line of David. He knew the power that Jesus has. He knew Jesus was the only one who could help him. He knew Jesus was the only one who could heal him. Don't miss this. Don't miss this at all, please. Jesus is the only way that we can see spiritually. Spiritually, we can only see through Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can give us hope. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the one that can help. The Bible tells us that the people who walk in darkness should see a great light. Here we are living our lives, bumping around, and listen, we work hard. We do what we need to do. We need to get out. We get our life on track. We raise our children. We, we live our lives. We, we go to work every day. We do what we need to do. We even go grocery shopping to give our children and our family good things to eat. But listen, all around us is spiritual wars going on. All around us is wonderful goodness of God going on. And here we are walking around bumping into things here and there and wondering, I wonder why that happened. I wonder what that is. I wonder what the meaning of this is. I wonder why our country is the way it is. I wonder why my family's this way. I wonder why. And we begin asking ourselves the question, what is going on? And we are spiritually blind, bumping into all kinds of stuff. Jesus is the light that pierces that darkness. 
Jesus is the light, and he calls us into his marvelous light. He calls us into that. But I want you to notice something, and I referenced this earlier. There are people that are keeping this blind man from seeing Jesus. Again, picture it with me. Crowding around him, telling him to be quiet. They're the same ones that probably told him that, hey, it's Jesus coming. There's a group that's traveling with Jesus, and they're trying to shut this man up. Be quiet. Don't say that. Jesus doesn't want to be seen with you. Now, let me ask you a question. Could they see his need? Could they recognize his need? It's pretty obvious the man's blind. Could they realize that he was insufficient to do anything for himself? For sure they could see that. But here's the reality. They never reached out to him. Don't miss this, guys. They never reached out to him. In fact, all they did was try to crowd him and push him further away. Are you seeing a theme over and over and over again in the Bible? There are people that will constantly try to push people away from Jesus and keep them from knowing the true light. The Bible tells us that Satan, the evil one, hath blinded the minds of people lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Constantly pushing people aside. Instead of helping him, instead of reaching out to him, they try to silence him. They were literally trying to keep him from Jesus. Most likely they thought Jesus wouldn't want to see a blind man. He wouldn't want to be associated with this sinner. But here, watch, this is the greatest news ever. Write this down. Jesus wasn't trying to be popular. Jesus was there to help each person. Write it down. Figure it out because we need this in our life. Jesus was not there to be popular. We want to be popular. We want everybody to like us. We want everybody to think, wow, what a wonderful person they are. But listen, Jesus wasn't there to be popular. Jesus wasn't there to, for the crowds. Jesus wasn't there for the religious to look at him and say, wow, what an awesome person. Jesus was there to help each and every sinner, each and every person. Prince or pauper. Blind, lame, leper, it didn't matter. Jesus was there to help. Jesus was there to help the blind man. And I love it. He was there to call this man to himself. Why do you, th why do you think Jesus walked to Jericho? Oh, I'm sure he had many things to do there in Jericho. I have no doubt one of them was this. He came here on purpose. Look at Mark chapter 10 and verse 49. And Jesus stood still. He's walking along, and he hears this man crying out, and he just stops. And commanded him to be called. Hey, bring that guy over here. Bring that guy over here. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Jesus stops everything. Don't miss this, please. Jesus stops everything. Jesus stops everything he's doing. He stops going on his way. He stops the people around him just to call this man to himself. And guess what? 
Blind Bartimaeus is not alone in this. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, Jesus stopped everything he was doing in heaven to call me. Do you realize that Jesus stopped everything he was doing in heaven and came to this earth for me? Jesus came to this earth for me. He stopped everything he was doing. The, the ruler of the universe stopped and said, I love John Yeoman so much that I'm going to go and to the cross and die for him. And he says the same about you. He says the exact same thing about you. Jesus stopped everything he was doing in heaven to call me. Let me ask you, do you need to come to Jesus today? Do you need to realize that the things going on in your life aren't just physical? They're spiritual. Do you need to realize that the things that are going on in this country aren't just physical? They're spiritual. Jesus is trying to show you that. Jesus is trying to call you to him. I want you to think back through your life. And some of you sit here this morning, you are saved. You know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Think back to the ways in which Jesus very clearly called you to him. Very clearly you can see the steps that were taken. I, I got saved when I was four years old. So you think, whoa, what, what was clearly, how did Jesus clearly call you? Let me help you with this. For a four-year-old boy, my parents were in church every single week. That was no coincidence. Jesus was calling me. My parents took me to Sunday school every week. My grandparents were the teachers of my Sunday school. And there is no doubt in my mind that that week, my grandmother taught on hell to a four-year-old little boy. You think, what in the world? Why are you teaching on hell? Because God was calling me. And listen, Jesus is calling every single one of you. And he's trying to get you to see him. Number one, Jesus recognizes your need. He knows you're a sinner. He knows you're spiritually blind. And he realizes that you can't do it in and of yourself. You are insufficient. And guess what? Right now, he's reaching out to you. Right now. Jesus wants all men to be set free. Jesus wants all men to have deliverance from this darkness. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word whosoever is such a wonderful word. In fact, a friend of mine named his church Whosoever Baptist Church. Whosoever. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what background you come from. doesn't matter if culture says you're worthless. doesn't matter if culture says you're amazing. Listen, you need Jesus. Whosoever will. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, where not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you. Jesus wants everyone to have their eyes open to the truth. Jesus wants everyone to come to him. Jesus wants to heal your hurting soul, but you have to reach out. You have to have faith that he is the only one who can open your eyes. He is the only one who can fix your problem. And so let me ask you this morning, what is your greatest need? What is your greatest need? The Bible tells us that our greatest need is sin. 
sin. You look at our country and folks, we all know that there's a problem. But the greatest need is not new politicians or the same politicians. The greatest need, hear me, is not better government. The, it, it's not no government. Listen, the greatest need is we have a sin problem in this country. The greatest need in this church is a sin problem. It all comes down to sin. The Bible says that we are in darkness because of our sins. We are dead in our sins. And the Bible tells us that our sin condemns us to death. Anything that is done in sin brings death. Our sin separates us from God. But Jesus is life. Jesus is life. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is our life. Our greatest need is sin, and Jesus wants to take your sin away. He died on the cross. Every single sin that you could ever commit was placed on Jesus. You can know that today. But you might be sitting here, and as I look across the room, there are many people here that I know already know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So how is this beneficial to me, Pastor Yeomans? I already know he's taken my sin away. Maybe you sit here this morning and you just need direction. Maybe you just don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're just not sure what your next step is. Can I encourage you? Reach out to Jesus. You know what the Bible says? He will give anyone wisdom who asks of it. Maybe you sit here this morning and you, and you know in your soul you're getting angry and you're, you're, you're getting more and more frustrated. Maybe you just need some compassion. Jesus looked on the multitudes and had compassion. Maybe you need love. Man, I just, right now I just don't feel loved. For God so loved the world. Maybe you need help in another area of your life. Listen, I can encourage you again. The answer is always Jesus. But you have to tell him your need. You've got to tell him your need. Reach out to Jesus. Let's finish the story in verse 51. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What is it that you're looking for? Again, it seems so obvious, but blind Bartimaeus easily and quickly answers, The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Here's what I want. Here's what I need. And I'm coming to the person who can provide it. Verse 52, and Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith. Faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Blind Bartimaeus gets super specific with Jesus. Can I encourage you in your prayer life, wherever you are, get super specific. We pray these vague prayers of God help me. What, what do you want help with? What exactly is it? Call it out. Tell Jesus exactly what you want. Blind Bartimaeus says, I want to see. I want to receive my sight. And Jesus miraculously, miraculously excuse me, grants it. 
his wish. And I love this. The first thing blind Bartimaeus, or seeing Bartimaeus does now, is look, verse 52, and followed Jesus in the way. The very next thing he does, he doesn't run off and do his own thing. He follows Jesus in the way. There is nothing more worthwhile to do than to follow Jesus. But on top of that, I have no doubt. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I have no doubt in my mind that Bartimaeus followed Jesus and went reaching out to anyone who was sick, lame, deaf, mute, blind, leper, didn't matter. He was going around to everybody saying, hey, are you sick? Are you sick? Come here. I got somebody you got to meet. Hey, are you blind? Come here. I got to show you something. Are you deaf? Can you hear me? Hey, hello. Come see Jesus. You got to know what he did for me. He was not like the other people in this story. He hears somebody calling out for Jesus. He runs and gets him instead of saying, shh, 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 shh. The master doesn't want to talk to you. I have no doubt in my mind Bartimaeus wanted to see people come to Jesus. He started bringing everyone he could to Jesus. I have no doubt in my mind. When you have something that miraculous happen in your life, what other choice do you have? Jesus wants everyone to come to him. And these people that said to Bartimaeus, shh, when Jesus says, hey, I want him, their perspective changes. My point to you this morning is this. Jesus wants everyone. Let me put it to you this way. All are welcome. All are welcome. Listen, you sit here today. And you might think, man, I've done too many things wrong. I can't do it. All are welcome. Jesus wants you. You might sit here today and think, man, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I have accepted him as my personal Savior. But, you know, these people over here, I just, I just can't. I just can't let them come. I just cannot tell them about Jesus. All are welcome. All are welcome. While many of us sit here today, some of us need to reach out to Jesus because of our sin. There are many of us that have experienced the deliverance of Jesus Christ, and we need to reach out to other people. What choice do we have? How can we not? We've experienced the freedom that Jesus brings. We've had our eyes open. We see the light. Is it not time that we start reaching out to other people? And bring them to Jesus. Every sinner is welcome with Jesus. Do you know him today? And how are you bringing people to him? Will you reach out to someone else who does not know Jesus today? All are welcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. I pray that as we come to you right now, Father, that your will would be accomplished in our lives. Father, you've given us the story for an example, and I pray that there would be someone here today that would reach out to Jesus today. Father, I, there may be one person that sits here that doesn't know you today, and I pray that today would be that day 
that they would realize everything that you've put in place, the signs that you've brought in have been for a purpose, and that today they would know you as personal Savior. And Father, if there's someone that sits here and that just doesn't know their next step, doesn't feel loved, Father, whatever it is that they would as well, whatever problem they have, they would come to you with it. And Father, that you would show them the way that they're supposed to take. Father, that every single person here would follow you and reach out to others. We'll give you the honor and glory for that. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.